Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Reader Copy Recap for Monday, May the 10th. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. Yes, I'm here, too, for our Reader Copy Recap. We're shaking things up a bit. We're doing Jupiter's Legacy this time around, and uh, we're doing two right off the bat. We're doing Episode 1, By Dawn's Early Light, and Episode 2, Paper and Stone. Yes, it's our first non-MCU show. That's right, yeah, and, since we launched. Uh, yeah, we've done WandaVision, and of course, we've done Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh, now we're doing a Netflix series, which I like because Netflix just releases all their episodes all at once i can uh, you know do my homework early i can take a look at the episodes a little <laughs> bit early as we we have some buffer time and think through everything and uh since we have um we have to make room for loki we're doing extras like we'll do two each episode because right. we gotta crunch it up right so i think there's eight episodes total so for the next four weeks we're doing jupiter's legacy um we didn't do an episode zero because unlike the mcu this is like the first on screen of jupiter's legacy right there's nothing to you know take a look back on as, as uh, we start off with our show right now this is based on the comic book by mark miller and frank quietly and it stars josh Shamel, ben daniels leslie bibb andrew horton elena Cromporis, mark wade matt lanter and music by stephanie ikanumu oh ikanumu I you pronounce. Okay, yeah i yeah. think Kanumo'o, maybe? I'm not sure. And um, yeah, we're doing the first two episodes. Uh, the first episode is written by Stephen S. DeKnight. He also directed the first two episodes, so he also directed one and two. Alrighty. And um, yeah, it's honestly, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, this show is going to be not my cup of tea. I'm going to be like, oh, it's the same stuff I've already seen from all these other comic book shows or whatever. But now that I've seen the first two episodes, I like it. I think I felt the same way. Had low expectations with all of the wigs that show up in the, the trailers. I was like, this is not believable. Josh Dumel does not look 120 like he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, watching the show a bit, they switch things up a bit. And I can uh, appreciate it for what it is. Right. And the show starts in modern day. And apparently, like, there's this been this team already, right? Yeah. The Union. Let's set things up. They're these superheroes, right? And really, the show is focused on them transitioning over to the next generation, their kids. Yeah, passing the baton. Um, you know, this is an image comic, but it's a commentary on, let's say, Justice League in the DC universe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It has a lot of uh, Kingdom Come vibes to it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Josh Jamal plays Sheldon Sampson, who is like their Superman. He's called the Utopian. Right, right. Like all powerful, super strength, flight, all those things. Ben Daniels is uh, playing Walter Sampson, his older brother, who is named brainwave that's a superhuman superhero name and he has like um telekinetic powers right he can control your mind or whatever right right um the utopians married to leslie bibb's character lady liberty and they have a son who has superpowers too and he goes by paragon and the whole crux of the show is like can he live up to that mantle of utopian his dad of course and in the family there's also the daughter i think she just goes by chloe that's a real name uh right. but not really a superhero as we get into it no she's not a superhero she's a supermodel <laughs> right. Good one. <laughs> and plus, there's all the uh, additional characters, members of the team, and the main villain, Black Star. Oh, for sure, for sure. And we're jumping, we'll get into it. We jump into different timelines, different uh, right. time periods, I should say. Exactly. And the show starts, the first scene is when uh, it's the kids. Um, the, the son's real name is Brandon. Brandon, and then Chloe's the sister, right? And they're playing. And they have powers as kids, like they're born with the powers, right? Because their parents had powers. And they're just playing a game, but the, the daughter actually uses her powers 
and like they're taught not to use their powers yet because they're they don't have control it yet so she gets like in trouble this is the start of it where we see utopian kind of handing off like the morals like we do it for service not to show off not to hurt the bad guys it's to kind of rehabilitate the bad guys don't use your powers um willy-nilly you know be responsible exactly. for your stuff for your powers we jump to them in adulthood now and brandon's like in a diner and he's like kind of mopey or whatever like i guess his character is really like i really want to live up to this but i can't the standards are too high right you're right he wants to maybe be the new utopian as they pass yeah. down the mantle but uh he tries to jump into a uh bank robbery going down mm-hmm. in, on the news and he tries to stop that with his powers but he kind of fumbles because he doesn't call in backup right and the person robbing is like this woman that has almost like Iron Man costume, right? Powers, right? And she's like whooping Paragon because she's like, you're not Utopian. You're not even like your mom. Like, so I'm not even scared of you. And she's he's like being pushed into the wall, thrown into like columns of a building and he's making a mess. Yeah. She just calls him like pipsqueak because you don't know what you're dealing right. with. You know, I'm a established supervillain. Whoever this is, kind of a throwaway character, but... Um, she does have these like sonic powers, I think. She can push over the armored right. truck easily. And he's losing, but to save the day comes his dad, Utopian, and stops her from doing any more damage and defeats the villain and just looks at um, his son, Paragon, is like, oh man, you're such a disappointment. Why don't you call for backup? You think you want to do everything yourself, but you're not ready, right? Right. He's trying to live up to it. He can't. He's going about it wrong. He's not calling for help or doing the right thing, it seems like, in his dad's eyes. And mm-hmm. um, we get the first look as, of Utopian in his old age here. Is it taking you out of it a bit, the the look of him? I have learned to look past it. Me too. I had to. Because I get it. I, I get... How do you get an actor to portray a 30-year-old and a 120-year-old, a 90-year-old or whatever between scenes, like jumping back and forth? So whatever. I get it. Um, talk about like that it's copying. The next scene is they live on a farm. Like This is Smallville all over again. And the mom and dad are talking, Utopian and Lady Liberty. And the dad is pissed. He's like, ah, he's not ready. He's so stubborn, whatever. But he doesn't realize his son is upstairs like listening. And then he's saying, like, he's not ready. Maybe he'll never be ready. And Brandon is just like, now he's really depressed. And this is the first time we get to meet his uncle, Walter. Right. This is Brainwave. And, you know, he and his brother, Sheldon, a Utopian, they kind of uh, can fight a lot of the times. And they don't really sure. see, see each other's ways. And he sees um, Brandon, Paragon, kind of down. He kind of tries to uplift him mm. and, you know. Uh, your dad it can be kind of difficult sometimes you kind of just have to look past it yeah and uh i really like brainwave especially um young brainwave when we get to do a cut back to when they were young men and when i say back it's like not just like a generation back it is all the way in like what is it the 1920s yeah it's the roaring 20s right and we see them they work for their dad and he runs like a steel mill company and their business is booming they're in new york they're like rockefeller they're super rich right they come to work in suits and they're the boss right they have this whole factory going on and they kind of chumming up with the workers but they're like thriving right now right you mm-hmm. rockefellers all those like multi-millionaires because of the industry's booming right now right and sheldon he is like almost like the golden boy right he walks in his dad owns the company he's high five and all the workers everyone looks up to him whatever it remind he's like tommy boy okay maybe a different <laughs> look but 
<laughs> yeah, but he no, he's like suave, big guy, uh, good looking, and he's about to be married too. He has a fiance. He shows up to work late. His older brother's already there, Walter. And Walter is like this like thin mustached numbers guy that is always looking at like the negative stuff. He's looking at the possible deal they're going to come up with uh, in the future coming up. But Walter's like, the numbers don't work out. We should cut out this deal squash it because it doesn't look well right now but the dad is like come on just have a little bit of faith you know right you gotta gamble sometimes have some faith trust it's about family right and Sheldon, the utopian back in the day, is saying, we can get more of these guys' jobs. You know, they can get the American dream. Right. And they're almost like complete opposites, the brothers. One looks at the bright side. One looks at like the negative. And, you know, us as the viewers, we know what's about to happen. And the market crashes right as they're expanding. And like all their like assets and money is now in jeopardy. They put, you know, they put a lot of money down for this deal. And Walter's like, I told you so. We should have pulled out. We should have never put all our money into this and just mm. you know down the street in new york everyone's running to the bank trying to take their money out of there yeah so we cut back to present day now we're back at the farm they're having dinner and they're expecting to see if like if chloe's gonna show up they don't expect her to because she doesn't show up anymore she feels like the outcast of the family but a couple minutes later she does show up yeah she comes up kind of drunk right she's takes the <laughs> yeah, one bottle already a mess right away <laughs> she's a like you said a supermodel a socialite maybe mm, yeah back in the day like a Lindsay lohan or paris Sultan kind of like just wants the glitz and the glamour, uh, not really down with the family business. Right. Uh, she's like, just like the brothers are opposite. She's like the opposite of her brother, Brandon, where Brandon only wants to please his dad. She doesn't care what her dad thinks of her. She thinks the dad is overbearing and just doesn't want to live like the way he wants her to live. Right, right. So she's like almost like extreme going the opposite way. So an argument breaks out and she just leaves the dinner then and there taking the wine bottle. <laughs> Zooming yeah. out of there. Uh, she leaves. Um, now there's all this tension. The Brandon is still pissed at his dad because like he'll never live up to him or whatever. And there's all this like dysfunction within the family. Finally, Walter tells uh, Sheldon like, come on, let's go for a walk. Let's let's get some air right and where they go is actually like i guess it looks like their old base right where they have of, like the big round table kind of like a hall of justice right for the justice right, the, right. this is their old base with the a lot of them are kind of done with the job too i think there's a, mm-hmm. one specific character called night owl is that his name night fox something like that yeah and he sky fox sky fox <laughs> okay this guy he's retired and apparently he actually turned on the team he actually right. some big moment back in the past turned on the team kidnapped the vice president or something like that something drastic mm-hmm. and they don't really know what went down there right so there's definitely a lot of drama with the union the original team right um one of their team members is like in a wheelchair now right right and it seems like he is almost just like the caretaker of the base and the only real superheroes left from the original union is utopian lady liberty and brainwave right right but there are you know younger people taking up the the suits and and being heroes now but they're kind of not up to par with the these old folks exactly we see brandon with another younger version like superhero like him uh this is uh, tectonic right <laughs> this is like his childhood best friend brandon 
uh, and they're at like a nightclub. Right. Uh, Brandon is not really into all the glitz and glamour, but Barry, his friend, is kind of like, "Come on, we finally get a meetup. It's been a while. Let's let's drink. Let's yeah. let's show off." But the cameras are on them, and Paragon Brandon does not want to tarnish the name of Utopian. You know his family. Right. Tectonic. <laughs> I think is a really cool name. He's just like, forget your dad, man. This is a night out. We get to celebrate. Um, we're superheroes. Let's we deserve this kind of thing, right? Yeah, you know, you always followed your dad's rules and all that. But where this has that got you? You know, live a little. Exactly. Um, we cut back to the 1920s, right? And the stock market now has crashed. Uh, Walter, thin mustache Walter. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm going to call him so we can differentiate. Thin mustache. <laughs> uh, he's kind of just in like, I told you so mode, right? I warned you guys we should not be expanding. And now all our money is like on the line. Um, all the employees are pissed. Everyone's saying like, uh, we're going to lose our jobs or whatever. And he, Sheldon's like, oh, where's dad? And he's like, oh, he's on the roof. So he goes to check on his dad. Yeah, they're on the roof. Sheldon and the pops. The dad kind of just goes into this spiel about how our steel is all throughout the city. You could see it there, over there, over there. Um, and he kind of just has like this realization and kind of a, a harsh moment where he realizes everything he's built is coming crashing down and he just jumps right. off the building, killing himself. This happens in real life. People like jump off buildings. During, yeah, I guess. Uh, the crash. Right? And Sheldon sees him like jump off the building. Like it was right in front of him. Yeah. And he couldn't stop him. He real traumatic. His dad. Yeah. Um, in present time now, we know the villain Blackstar has been locked up, but apparently he has escaped. Right. He was in Supermax prison, but he's got all his equipment now. And he's this guy that has like gravitational powers, like the power to like of like a black hole, basically. And he's super right. powerful, right? He's like this big dude. His like skin is all like wrinkly and he's muscular. But when he wears his armor, he has like almost like nuclear, like he's going to go explode or something, right? Right. Um. So it takes like all the superheroes of present day to fight this guy. And you can see like a bunch of them there. Utopian Lady Liberty, they're in there. Paragon's finding it out. Brainwave is tagging along. And they're having trouble trying to take this guy down. Right. What I really like was we see two other heroes in the distance. This is Ruby Red and Flame Fist, I think his name is, right? Flame Fist. And they're like miles away. And they're like, we don't want to get involved yet because it's Blackstar. Like, what can we really do against Blackstar, right? And Flame Fist is like, I'm just going to show up right before it's over and like just be part of the victory. <laughs> right. You kind of get an idea of this new class of heroes. You kind of just want exactly. the fame. They want the uh, influence, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the fight is brought to them, and now everyone's involved. Uh, Paragon and like all the younger generation heroes are there. Uh, Brainwave is there too. He's trying to do like the controlling his mind thing, right? Right, to stop but, him in his tracks. Right, and Blackstar, like it seems like it's hard for him to control Blackstar, where normally it would be easier. He puts him in this weird trance in his head, right? Where mm -hmm. in his mind, he puts Blackstar on like a beach, right? Just like a nice, pleasant. <laughs> Yeah. beach so that he's not where he really is he's putting his consciousness it's a nice view while all of the other superheroes are smashing his face in in real life <laughs> like just dogpiling him punching him left and right trying to beat him to a pulp and stop him mm -hmm. And in this, like, I don't know, what do you call it? Like the mental state, astral plane, if you will. Yeah. Um, Brainwave is like, he has no fear. It's like, I control this. I'm like God here. So you can't even hurt me here. 
But Blackstar is able to choke him out. He chokes him out and breaks out of his trance, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he comes to comes to real life. And immediately he launches an attack and kills like three of the heroes there. One of them being Tectonic. Not Tectonic. No, Tectonic. No. You're my favorite. <laughs> And he's beating up um, like Lady Liberty. He has Utopian down on the ground and he's stepping on him. And he's like charging up. He's about to explode, right? Go nuclear. So, yeah. And no one else can stop him. Brandon is the only one. Paragon gets the courage to jump up. And instead of just like knocking him out or whatever, he punches so hard that he literally destroys Blackstar's face off. Yeah, it's that look where you can see his tongue just sticking out there, but his whole front of his (laughs) face is gone. Because Blackstar is just dead. This puts uh, Utopian in such anger that, son, how could you do this? How you could have, you know, disabled his equipment? You could have just punched him into space, or you know, not killed him, just get him out of here. Uh, and he just feels even more disappointed in him. Yeah, there, there's a code. You do not kill. That's what separates heroes from villains. And there's a line here that I thought was really cool. It was like, Utopian's like, you took the easy way out. And Paragon's like, did that look easy to you? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was like he had no choice, right? So he's trying to save his dad. And Paragon just flies back home and Utopian has to deal now with his son. And because like, I don't know, there's a gray area now. Like your son is a killer. How does he not get punished for it? Right. There's that. But he also saved all these people that all these heroes. Right. There's like a group of people right there that he saved their lives. And then, uh, you know, Brainwave does some of his brain work and talks to the uh, FBI to see what's going on with how the hell did Blackstar escape the prison? Exactly. And apparently he didn't. What? What do you mean? (laughs) He's right there. They go to the prison. Blackstar is still uh, in custody. He's handcuffed there. Huh? And the other Black Star, the one that Paragon killed, his corpse is laying there on the table. And they're like, who the hell is this? Like, what happened? (laughs) That's the big question as we finish episode one. Is this a clone? Is this uh, a different Black Star? Is this whatever Black Star is a dif- different race of him, like a different species? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, episode two, as we cut in, it starts like right where we left off. It is written by Henry G.M. Jones, which that sounds like a 1920s name <laughs> if I ever heard of it. Roaring 20s. G.M. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it picks up right where we left off where the black star is there and he's like, I don't know what you did, but it wasn't me. And it sounds like Paragon killed this guy. And Blackstar's like, well, are you going to arrest him? Like, I'm in handcuffs. Why don't you arrest him? Right? I'm in handcuffs for killing, being a killer, right? He's a killer not too. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, when it's your family, the rules are gone. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so that's like the, the real crux of this whole episode is like, are the heroes like above the law? Which is like, that's what Utopian is trying to fight against, right? Right. Do they live by the same standards as everyday people? As even right. the criminals? So to handle this, he pretty much grounds his son, Brandon. He's like, you can't leave the farm. Stay at the farm, right? Yeah, tend to the cows and uh, <laughs> harvest all the stuff. But you're not being a hero at all. Right. It's pretty much saying like, you know, you're not grounded, but take this opportunity to learn from it. But Brandon, of course, like he's pissed about it. He's also living with the fact that his friend, his best friend, Barry is gone. And he has right. to kind of live with that. He has mixed emotions about saving all these people, but also killing somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. So now he has to, you know, live with what he did, be a disappointment to his dad and bury his friends like all, all the same time. It's like too much for him. Um, I really like how the show goes back and forth between the past and the present. Yeah, totally. Between, between 
utopian dealing with his son and having powers to a point where like he doesn't have powers yet and he's dealing with like the loss of his dad now and the first thing that we see is the newspaper back in the 1920s calling his dad like like he was stealing money from the people their pensions right basically gambling their pensions on this deal right, right? Uh-huh. And Sheldon has to defend him, like defend his father. He can't believe the, the newspaper is saying these awful lies. So he just right. barges out of the office and runs straight to the newspaper office. And this is the first time we meet up with a young Lady Liberty, but still just as her regular Roaring Twenty self. Yeah, Grace Kennedy, right? In the byline, it was just G. Kennedy. So um, Sheldon thought it was a guy. He was like, who's G. Kennedy? I'm going to like beat him up, whatever. Yeah. And then it turns out it's Grace, right? And they, like, do not start off on the right foot. They're, like, yelling at each other. And he's like, you don't know my dad. How dare you write this? He's like, I have plenty of sources saying that this is what he did. Um, and it's weird because we know these two end up together in the future, right? Right. But right now, they hate each other. They're just barking at each other in the middle of this newspaper office. And Sheldon's, like, throwing around this, this newspaper, yelling at every single person there, just liar, liar, liar. And he can't take it anymore. He just runs off out of the the room. What he doesn't realize is when he gets back to the office, his brother's like, okay, the only way we're going to survive is if we shut down the company, right? And then after a while, we'll rehire everybody, which means everyone's going to lose their jobs. And Sheldon's like, no, we can't. Like, all these people rely on us. Um, He's like yelling, like five months, uh, them out on the street in this harsh, you know, economic state too. He couldn't take it, mm-hmm. but he had to tell all the workers there. And the workers were getting ready to beat up this rich kid, right? Getting ready do right. dog pile and punch him out but one of the older gentlemen's there like let's not go to prison over this right your, your people right. are gonna need you go to your families yeah and Sheldon's just like destroying I can't believe my dad's gone the company's falling apart I've let down all these people and his brother Walter also tells him like everything the newspaper wrote about dad is true so like he, the person he looked up to and put on a high pedestal is like not the person he thought he was Walter with his thin mustache is saying <laughs> Uh, you know, you're just the golden boy. He didn't know what we had to do behind the scenes, all these awful right. things, right? We're fighting against Carnegie and, and uh, all of these people that are in the steel industry. They're trying to get on our back, squash us. We had to do some dirty right. work too. It's kind of like in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> where we learned that Odin does some dirty work behind the scenes. Maybe less smaller things, but you know, just as hard. I was gonna say I was gonna say Walter is like the David Spade and uh-huh. Sheldon is like the Tommy boy. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Um, now back in modern time we know that the heroes have, have died right so they have to have a funeral and Utopian really wants his daughter to be there so he goes to pay her a visit at her apartment and just immediately they kind of just get into an argument Chloe mm-hmm. and Sheldon are like dad you always want me to be the specific thing be a hero live by all your morals but you just kind of reject everything that I am right Right. she never asked to be a hero or whatever like you threw this burden on her and when she's says like um brandon's friend's name barry yes right and he's like barry barry oh tectonic right he's like see you don't even know them as people you only see them like you're just always utopian that's who you are you're not even a dad anymore you just see them as uh, super suits right they're not people right. they don't have their own troubles mm-hmm. and she he just puts her in a box and just every time she breaks out of it just a little bit he's ultra angry kind of just erupts in her face and just right. says like all those gifts that you're granted they're not for you they're for others but again she never signed up for it she just existed exactly so he leaves and they're still like it's almost like they're worse off now it's another argument 
Uh, it's finally the funeral, and everyone's there. Um, Brandon's there, and he he says some words to like all the people there, and he's gonna miss um, Barry and all the other heroes, right? And at the end of the funeral, what's I thought was kind of interesting is a lot of the people, including like former union members and like police officers, they like shake Brandon's hand and they're like telling him like you know you did the right thing. I would have did what you did, and this is just like pissing off Utopian. Right. He just sees this from the sidelines, just. He feels like he's learning the wrong lesson as Brandon right. is getting this praise at this time. Um, but still, you can see the mixed emotions on Brandon's face. Mm-hmm. And while the funeral is happening, it's almost like a Utopian is remembering his dad's funeral. Yeah, we do a jump cut to the funeral right. back in the day for the dad. And Sheldon, Utopian, is giving his speech about his father and all he's done. And as he's giving it, he gets dizzy, like these weird flashes in his head, just visions jump into his head. Right. And he has like a seizure and he like passes out and he doesn't wake up until he's in the hospital like a lot later um we see um i think that this is like his best friend george is there that's like playing cards on his like hospital bed yeah i think george is my favorite character we haven't mentioned him yet But he is like this really waspy type guy, right? And he's just like nonchalant about everything. Just hey, baby, yeah. just live living now and enjoy it. This is this is a, a I think this is like Rob Lowe and Tommy Boy. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> this show is pretty much Tommy Boy. It's like one to one, pretty much. <laughs> can't can't wait till you see Dan Aykroyd's character. <laughs> like, um, but Walter's there and he's like yelling at him, like show some respect or whatever. And out of nowhere, Sheldon like just wakes up with all these like flashes, like you said, of visions of an island. The island, these weird creatures, they we just get a flash of that are just kind of communing. And this voice telling him to go to the island, find it, you know. Find it. Like this, these like navigational points, but find the island, go there, travel right. there. It's like his dad's voice too, telling him to go there. Really haunting in his head. And he wakes up kind of like disoriented, right? And he's like, oh, we, guys, we all have to go. We have to form a team and explore this island. And I don't know what's there, but we have to go. It's like our only purpose now. And the camera pulls back and we see like the back of everybody. But we also see a, the back of like this mystery figure whose head has like a big wound on it and it's like no one else sees him there and i think i don't know if it's the dad or another person but it's like filling these thoughts into into sheldon just injecting them straight into his brain telling him this specific eerie message and that's how episode two ends i it i really wanted to keep watching like i was ready to watch episode three right away yeah and luckily it is on netflix and that's what i did i I have a okay all right well we can't talk about it till next week no no (laughs) tune in guys and then you'll, you'll get an idea of it uh, all in all, Jupiter's Legacy, to me, it's like a mixture of Smallville. Uh, like, that's what the, the family life feels like. Okay. The superhero action feels like uh, Japanese Power Rangers. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. <laughs> that's pretty on point. And then the what I really like is all the old stuff where it feels like Boardwalk Empire or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um... I can see uh, Josh Duhamel's utopian as a real hero, but also like as a fumbling dad. Like he doesn't know how to be there for his family, and we see that later right. on. Um, yeah. And we could see like his view in the time and how his morals kind of erupted from being in like a harsh time of like the crash, right? And mm-hmm. how he wants to impart good things throughout the world. But when you take on the whole world, you can't focus on your family. Exactly. And like him, like idolizing his dad and then learning later that his dad was not as great as he thought. So now he has to try to be extra oh, yeah. responsible, extra good. And that is just burdening his children even more. And 
I don't know. This show is is very good. It's also like the I think the best thing I've seen Leslie Bibb do. Like she's acting really well in this. Like I haven't seen her in a lot of things, but this I think she's, she's doing pretty good in this. That's uh, Lady Liberty. Yeah, yeah. I I remember her from Iron Man. That's all I remember her from. Yeah, that's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, and she's popped up here and there. But she's doing a good job being kind of like the motherly role, but also the uh, the parent that was at home, you know? Right. So, yeah, I, I'm i probably going to go watch episode three now. Go ahead. So. <laughs> Guys, definitely subscribe to the Reader Copy Podcast. For sure. Now, we won't miss our recaps every week. We're doing two episodes a week of Jupiter's Legacy. Um, if you haven't seen any of it yet, definitely go check it out and join us next week where we're going to recap episode three and four. Yeah, this was a surprise like for me. I like Jupiter's Legacy, you know, Mark Miller, he does some more um, like cynical, sarcastic stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. this this is more uh, a commentary and everything. Uh, yeah, you can find us on all our social medias at the Reader Copy Podcast. Instagram and Facebook is where you can find us. And if you have a friend that likes comics or comic TV shows, share this podcast, share the recap too. Absolutely. Um, until then, we'll be back on Wednesday continuing Iron May with a brand new Iron Man comic. But uh, Daniel, why don't you hit him with the outro? Service, Go passion, morals. <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot. The, the, the code. The code, yeah. I completely forgot the three words that he said, so I just made some up. Okay, I don't know what the words are. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye.